we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike Juan. Co-host also, Mike, who insists to me he still has eyes. I don't believe it, but we'll get to why in just a minute. We are here today with a bit of a different type of episode. We usually do what we're watching catch-up episodes. Well, the reason I make the comment about also Mike's eyesight and eyeballs is that he sat through something like 30-some-odd movies over the last few film festivals that went virtually. Mm-hmm. So I think his sight has just got to be diminished, if not perished completely. But we're going to do a What We're Watching special variety show. Also, Mike has to catch all of us up on what he's seen in these festivals. Yeah, I'm almost done with AFI. I got a couple more nights uh, to, to, to get a few of the uh, outliers left. And I didn't watch my psychedelic love story. I know everybody was just waiting for my arrow more. <laughs> review you're a big fat phony but 40 movies yeah i got a list of 40 movies i don't think we'll review them all but i think the last thing people want to hear is me just droning on about the cinematography and the production values of each and every one so we came up with a way you're going to interview me like rapid fire style and just skewer me with interview questions to the point where I'm going to to cry, I think. I think yes. is your goal for this episode. That is, that is fingers crossed, yeah. And uh, we're going to review 40 movies that way. So we have a, a couple different segments. That's going to be one of them for sure. We're going to have a Shark Tank type pitch idea for a couple other movies, but we're going to lead off talking about one of the more, I guess, expected contenders coming out of these film festivals, and that's going to be around Regina King's One Night in Miami. And just to give you some background about what happened with this movie or where experts see it right now, 20 out of 21 experts on Gold Derby predict One Night in Miami to be nominated for Best Picture. Three have it winning right now. Mm -hmm. Clayton Davis of Variety has One Night in Miami third in his Best Picture rankings, third in director, first in supporting actor for Leslie Odom Jr., second in adapted screenplay, fifth in cinematography for Tammy Riker, fifth for costume design, third in film editing, and third in original song for Leslie Odom Jr. Speak now mike you saw this <laughs> i'll tell about tell about my watching story in a minute but what were your first impressions of this movie so first of all it's very strong b plus 88 according to my grades uh, i would agree on leslie odom jr being the undeniable front runner right now for supporting actor mm-hmm. he more than holds his own as sam cook i mean arguing with malcolm x bensley king of deers malcolm x in this movie which i didn't realize was like a thing like sam cook went you know 15 rounds with malcolm x in an argument i mean it's wow unbelievable so uh there's that part of the story where he's in aaron sorkin like dialogue back and forth electric dialogue and then there's not just one but i think two separate well yeah two times where he's he's got this big musical number and it's incredible so well one's incredible the other one's purposely not incredible but it's it's you know I'm spoiling the movie when I'm not supposed to be. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, at least you have a movie to spoil, right? Because let's talk about this for a second. The reason we're starting off talking about One Night in Miami is, one, because it is supposedly the heaviest hitter, at least right now is the way the race stands, based on what's come out from these three film festivals that we're going to be recapping, or also Mike is going to be recapping for us, I should say. Secondly, we had plans to dedicate an entire episode to One Night in Miami, because both also Mike and myself (laughs) had plans to watch it separately, and bought tickets to it, and we even teased in previous episodes that we would be doing so. Thirdly, we were supposed to watch it sometime Sunday, this past Sunday. Mm -hmm. Um, We got on to record Monday, our last episode, and we were talking about the things we watched and what we did over the weekend. We were talking about the Giants. Mike asked me uh, about Sound of Metal. We were talking about that. We were talking about Minari in the pre-show, and Mike finally said, oh, hey, by the way, what'd you think of One Night in Miami? And my mouth dropped as if I had just heard the name of that film for the first time in my entire life at that moment. I remember I was like, it was a guttural, visceral, oh my God, I forgot to watch it. (laughs) I have most multiple checks and balances built into our relationship right now that I neglected. I completely neglected because usually we don't prepare two movies over the same weekend. But right. still, I send you the doc like six or seven days mm-hmm. early. I mm-hmm. text you a reminder. I put uh, a reminder at the beginning of our monthly scheduling yeah. doc and say, like, big starred letters, hey, don't forget about this screening or don't forget about this screener or don't forget about mm-hmm. this. 
And I neglected all three of these because this was coming on the backs of Minari, and I had already sent you all those reminders about Minari and the doc and everything. And for some stupid reason, I kept quiet on all the other stuff. And I even thought about it. I was like, should I do this yet? No, no, he's watching it. But I, you know, I don't <laughs> want to get, I don't want to get ahead of things and work on the next doc too soon. And I screwed. I don't up. even have a good excuse. All Sunday, I watched three hours of the Giants and Washington football yeah. team, and then three hours of the Jets and Dolphins. It was six hours of the worst football. I, I would have loved to have watched one night in Miami instead of this. And you're being very kind, as you do have, the, have those checks and balances in place. I still, despite how I sound on this program some, sometimes, am a grown adult male that should be able to remember my responsibilities. And it just totally slipped through my mind and slipped through the cracks. So uh, Muhlenberg Film Festival got my $12, I think it was. Oh, and Muhlenberg. I just... Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I did The stars I didn't. Wore. The Star Wars, <laughs> a good franchise. And Muhlenberg, Middleburg. Yeah, right, right. Muhlenberg, Middleburg, red jacket, gold jacket, green jacket. Yeah, I screwed up. This is on me. Where's so, Mike. Muhlenberg, though? That's, we got to get the. To, to it's the a college in Pennsylvania. That's, right. That's, I don't have. We, look, we've already established my brain. <laughs> It's not to be trusted or relied upon for any of this. So uh, that's on me. And that's why also Mike is going to be giving you the only review from MMO for one night in Miami as of right now as well. So go ahead, Mike, fill me in on what I missed. I'll continue with adapted screenplay. I loved act one and act three of this movie. I loved perhaps 50% of act two, but for some bizarre reason, this movie hits this pace that just grinds to a boring screeching halt in this hotel room. And I don't understand why Regina King allowed that to happen. I get it a little bit, but I need to study it more. So for whatever reason, the, the movie gets really slow at, at, for like a 15-minute segment in the middle. Otherwise, it's just snappy fun. It's, it's intense uh, argument. It's, it's great electric debate. And there's a lot of sequences with all of the uh, characters each having their own time on screen. Muhammad Ali's in the boxing ring. Leslie Odom and uh, a.k.a. Sam Cooke is on stage. Aldous Hodge is awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, he gets his Jim Brown moments. I I loved so much of this, but yeah, there's 20 minutes that are kind of annoying. So you have sung the praises of Leslie Odom Jr. You sung the praises uh, of the screenplay, except for that one 20 minute stretch for the most part. Do you share the enthusiasm about Regina King in terms of this year's Academy Awards? Or is this more like uh, we kind of think that Stephen Yoon may be viewed for his work in Minari this year, kind of a resume builder? All right, let me say this. She doesn't knock me over as a no doubt about it, best director winner mm -hmm. or best director, you know, she must be nominated. I think it's as strong a debut as we've had in maybe two years. Because, oh, wow. you know, when we Good. started our pod, we had a couple directorial debuts that they just knocked out of the park with Greta Gerwig and Jordan Peele and then right, right. Bo Burnham a year later. But uh, I think this is better than Bo Burnham. However... She's got that glaring weakness of the movie. Like, the movie is just it's so boring. For 15 minutes, I'm like, what the hell is going on? You know, Malcolm X is in a phone booth. The guys are doing nothing in the hotel room. They're twiddling their thumbs for 15 minutes. I don't understand why that happened in the film. Like, if I would edit it, I would edit it right now. Get that the hell out of the movie and just let the thing flow, baby. Uh, so Interesting. I, I really don't understand why it grinds to such a screeching halt. But most of this movie is just... Uh, best it felt best picturey there's a wow. problem in the middle so it doesn't uh, yeah it's a noticeable problem it kind of detracts from the overall score of the movie but it doesn't completely separate you where you can't see this competing for oscars like it seems like many other pundits have it oh it should yeah i mean even something like makeup and hairstyling which wasn't listed i mean the prosthetic nose on odom jr is just seamless like a lot of people probably didn't realize it so they're like all right makeup and hairstyling whatever but that's a prosthetic nose on, uh, on Sam Cooke there, so that really worked. Now, I won't begrudge any acting nomination, by the way. Like, I think Ben Bensley King of Deer is, it's not just a breakout performance, but it's, it's, really, it's really a smart way to do Malcolm X. It's very different than what Denzel did, but this is, this is a combative, uh, kind of a desperate Malcolm X at this stage hmm. of his life. If you, if you watch the Malcolm X movie, Spike Lee did. This is uh, getting towards the end there. And I don't mean to interrupt, but it's, so is this... We talk so much about reserve performances and held back. Is this for actors that are all kind of at their wits end and at their 
characters as we most know them to be historically? There are all four of them at crossroads. And I, I okay. love how they dramatize this to, to build each one of their lives and careers to this kind of turning point uh, meeting, this one night in Miami. I love that so much. And it's going to be so impactful on history. Absolutely. And I guess it's not the end of Malcolm X's life, but you'll you'll figure it out uh, where where it's at. But it's it's definitely before a major change kind of for the for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Eli Garay, he's from race. Uh, Bensley King of Deer is from High Fidelity. So they've done work before. But this is like really just launching careers at this point. And and Aldous Hodge has always been good. And and I think he's uh, he's been you know, banging on the door for a while. It's yep. not necessarily his showcase as much as the other guys, but he's got a couple great scenes as well. Well, Mike, I can't wait to see it. <laughs> oh, that's this sounds like something we're going to be dealing with all throughout award season, and uh, maybe if the time comes, we'll have to give it the full-fledged Oscar Sprint Profile breakdown when everyone else is yes. able to get their hands on it. But you would say this was one of the main events of all the 40 films or so you watched? Oh, absolutely. No question about it. And that's the strange thing about this kind of uh, questioning today. I think I'm avoiding some of the movies that we've covered together, including One Night in Miami. I think that's an easy right. way to answer all these questions. Your favorite performance, right. Bensley King of Deer, Leslie Odom. Those are easy answers. Francis McDormand. We're not going to do that. So Nomadland, Minari, On the Rocks. Uh, you know, uh, One Night in Miami, Sound of Metal. We're, we're not going to focus on those because you and I have talked about those together. I'm going to catch our audience up on the rest of the film festival slate. All right, sounds good. So uh, as far as this quote-unquote lightning round goes, I got a list of about 30-some-odd, 30-plus questions here. I'm going to try to pepper with Mike. He's, like you just said, going to answer them and try to give you a variety, try to give you kind of a, a, a new idea of what he saw and what fits these categories to set the table to hopefully heighten your expectations and get you excited to see these movies in a wide variety, wide smattering of them when they do come out. So let's get into it. We'll call this the lightning round. We'll see just how fast our lightning is, but we'll start with an old-fashioned one, a see-by-skip, Mike, of ones we have seen already on the rocks, One Night in Miami, or Sound of Metal. So after my preface, you're just, you, you, want, you want to confirm where One Night in Miami is, is what you're trying to I like to, get to me. undercut you at every possible turn. Okay. Yes, that's the, uh, yeah. All right, so uh, look, I, I think One Night in Miami is really strong, and I want to study it, but I, I have to put it in the C category, because on the rocks, like, I'm going to watch that this weekend. And I'm going to essentially own it this weekend with Apple TV Plus, and I'll probably watch it a couple times. Now, do we need to rewatch Sound of Metal? Do you do you need to rewatch Sound of Metal? I don't think I do, so I would skip a rewatch on that, even though I liked it a lot. Gave it a B plus. I like well. that. I like the way you turned that to make it my problem and not yours. And yeah, I think yeah, I think that's, that's the right way to put it. In this, uh, well, I, <laughs> I, my hands are tied because I that's this is the only question I prepared that I have any input for. So it's all you from here on out, man. You can blame me all you want, but let's get into it. All right, <laughs> I attack you the rather? questioner. I'm like a certain right. political uh, yeah, pundit, not pundit, a certain political this entity. Is, this is Frost Nixon, and I'm Frost here. <laughs> All right. Would you rather the best two episodes of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel or I'm Your Woman? I loved I'm Your Woman, but Mrs. Maisel is like a top five television show of the decade probably for me. So, I mean, everything at the uh, – oh, where did they go on vacation? The, Pocon- the Poconos. Yeah, everything at the Poconos. It's like three-episode arc. I, mm-hmm. I will watch that like 17 more times in my life. So I, okay. have to, I have to go with that. Overall, your subjectively, your favorite character and or subject of a documentary. Yeah, again, I have to attack the questioner here, counselor. <laughs> uh, you got, you're putting me in a position where I have to choose between Martin Luther King or Greta Thunberg or Malcolm X. It's been a while since we've gotten hate mail. Yeah, you're. that's correct. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm going to say my favorite fictional character okay. is the therapist Will Ferrell's son in David, which is a 10-minute short film. So David, in full wrestling attire, crashes into his father Will Ferrell therapist's office and demands that his father <laughs> drop the crisis session with a patient because <laughs> that it's a crisis Saturday session with this patient. To go to his wrestling meet because he has to have a match with an opponent who's nicknamed 
is the hoagie. <laughs> oh, man. I'll tell you what. If nothing else, you've sold me on that. <laughs> Ten-minute short film might have been the best thing I watched there. One of the, one of the actors from Veep directed it. So funny. All right. Uh, how about objectively, who was the best character from a movie or subject from a documentary? Yeah, I, again, I object to the word objectively <laughs> uh-huh. because I can't really pick somebody who's objectively the best human being in a question with Martin Luther King. Greta, okay, I'm going to say the best <laughs> subject for the doc for a documentary because it's the most complicated subject for a documentary. So this person has a lot of flaws and a, a lot of things to love about them. I'm going to say Zoe Turr from Whirly Bird as she was literally the character from Nightcrawler throughout the 80s and 90s, the Jake Gyllenhaal character from Nightcrawler. Mm-hmm. During those like 20 years span that this movie is based on, where they're up in the helicopter covering all the news of L.A., that was the surprise of the film festival for me, Whirly Bird. And that character was just fascinating. It's not a character. It's a real person, of course. Fascinating. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was going to underscore. So that's a documentary, Whirly Bird is, about yeah. uh, news coverage in L.A. Yeah. And it was like, you know, behind the scenes, the real thing, Nightcrawler. It was crazy. Wow. Awesome. All right. Mm-hmm. So how about the objectively worst character from a movie or subject uh, from a movie or a doc? Noemi Merlant. I'm not saying her name correctly, but she's a great actress from uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Uh, she makes love to an amusement park ride in Jumbo. I'm sorry? Yeah. Uh, it's the premise <laughs> of the film, and she's in love with an inanimate object that is a humongous ride at a carnival, essentially. This traveling carnival, circus, whatever this place is. Oh. Oh. She has sex with it. No, 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 I heard you. <laughs> you repeating camera, it wasn't it's a long scene. It's early in the movie, so it's like the premise of the film. So it's a literal love story yeah. between woman and machine? Yes, it is. That's ju- and the thing is name is Jumbo, which It was it the first words. draft of Ex yeah. Machina. <laughs> uh, <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> Wow. All right. Didn't expect that, but this is why we're doing this practice, I guess. Okay. Uh, which movie are you most likely to rewatch the soonest that you've seen? I'm uh, assuming it's Jumbo? No, it's not Jumbo, <laughs> but I'd be curious to study that movie a little further. I think uh, I'd be curious to study the real person because it's based on a true story. What? <laughs> <laughs> My film festivals are glorious, wonderful, <laughs> terrifying places. And, uh, <laughs> You're the same lived. person I just accused of having too many scarves and having their nose up in the air, right? From watching too many movies? <laughs> they they carry themselves, these festivals. It's like, oh, this is the, the peak of society. This is No, you get some <laughs> weird shit. You get some wow. weird shit at these festivals. At least it's interesting to watch, I would assume. Uh, I mean, it's, it's fascinating. You're not going to fall asleep, yeah. I did not pick a boring, well, or one boring movie. Anyway, the movie I am most likely to rewatch soonest is David Byrne's American Utopia on HBO Max. Max, it's a concert film. It's my happy place. I kind of answered that before. Okay. How about the movie you're least likely to watch ever again? Beginning. Beginning is yeah. unrewatchable. It's the Golden Shell winner at San Sebastian. Nobody can rewatch that. Just look up the premise. Is that akin to that old Gaspar No film? Is it kind of similar in nature there? But the one that Monica Bellucci was in from back in the day? Yeah. 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 Oh, it's shame, irreversible. Man. Ugh. Yeah. Just heart, heartbreak, heartbreaking stuff. All right. How about a happier note? What was your breakout performance of the festivals? Well, it's Kingsley Benadir, but if I can't say him, it's Amara J. St. Aubin from Lover's Rock. Because in between all the dancing scenes, Mike, there's just one showcase scene after another where she's telling somebody off, and I loved her for it. Hmm. Awesome. And Lover's Rock is one of the Steve McQueens that's coming to Amazon, correct? The first one. The opening nighter at the New York Film Festival. And it's going to be, I believe, the first film. Maybe not the first film. might be the third film on Small Axe, which is going to be an anthology on Amazon Prime, like you said. Definitely something I'll have to be on the lookout for there. All right. So uh, what you did, Mike, for my benefit, seeing as I wasn't even capable of watching one movie I planned on watching, Mm -hmm. is you wrote little descriptions about each movie, uh, the titles that you wrote, and then a little paragraph or a little sentence about what each movie was about in short. So based on your descriptions, I'm, I'm assuming Assassin's Nine Days or Apples would sound like they would be my favorite of the 47 films you listed. Am I correct in assuming that? 
so I have to guess what would your, your favorites be. And you well, They are... get more like that if you couldn't guess. No, yeah. because the angriest I am during the course of a calendar year is when you dislike or like a movie that I think you're going to go the other way on. And it has Correct. nothing... It's, it's, not, it's not a you problem. It's a me problem, I guess. But it's because I can't predict what you're going to think. And it drives okay. me insane. It drives me absolutely <laughs> insane. So I really don't know the answer to this. Apples might drive you a little mad. I would be surprised if you didn't love Assassins. I think that's like right up your alley because it's about a kangaroo court. But the lawyers are so good, and and I just think it, it would fascinate you. And it's about true crime and a and a and the world news. And I'm gonna pitch it later. Nine Days is like what dreams may come if it was directed by Michel Gondry. So I have no idea if you would what. Like that. What a take by you. <laughs> Starring Winston Duke, who's giving like a totally different performance than he's given. I think you before. just confused more people than you just did explain that movie. I loved all three of these movies. Like they got good grades from me. I don't have no idea what you would like. What in, I mean, I tip my cap to you, sir. You have earned those scars. All right. Uh, how angry, Michael, would the movie My Donkey Lover and I make me? It's about a hiking vacation, so angry. Very mm -hmm. angry. Also, I wrote that question before I realized the movie's title is actually My Donkey, My Lover, and I. So next question, <laughs> how much better would the movie be if its title actually were My Donkey, Lover, and I, you sick fuck? And I just noticed that. Yeah, I am a sick fuck because I just let that go. Bestiality just, just didn't register on the radar for me. Uh, so I guess my answer is n not better but <laughs> let's be honest the movie world is a sick sick place there was a movie that came out just this last year about bestiality mm. shockingly surprisingly it was about bestiality and you didn't know it was about bestiality when you went in i think that should be something that should be on you know the premise somewhere but guess what to make matters and to make me even more of an evil person i'm not going to tell you what movie that is folks i think <laughs> I want you to stumble across it and be like, oh, and have like an extra laugh or just like an extra F you to Mike. Uh, Mike like, ha ha, you were watching bestiality movies this whole time. But here's the thing. It's like a drama comedy about a bestiality, which makes it even stranger. So just avoid all dramedies and you should be fine. <laughs> my donkey lover and I or my donkey, my lover and I is about everybody getting laid but the donkey. So you're, you're we're sick, but we're safe with that so movie. That's, that's good news there. Uh, props for me for not being able to either keep an appointment or read, apparently. Uh, all right, more seriously, the most depressing watch you had, Mike. My little sister and beginning in 76 Days and Gunda. That's and a parade. It's a film festival, Mike. I mean, there's going to be depressing watches. I mean, this is Parade of Sadness time for critics and Chris critics are like melancholy folks so we will see these movies and watch these movies a lot of them are depressing and beautiful but beautifully sad okay how about the, the watch that made you happy jumbo jumbo was, <laughs> no, david burns american utopia is probably the answer but if i can't say that then wolf walkers is pretty harmless it's a cartoon it's gorgeous it's it's got this uh, father-daughter story sean bean you're wondering if his character is going to die any moment so it's kind of fun has sean bean gotten to the point where if his character lives we all get actively angry at that uh, I, you're asking <laughs> me to spoil the movie no i'm not asking you to spoil the movie i'm asking you to comment on the man the actor himself sean bean no, am I in that predicament yet? No, I think okay. right. I enjoy it when Sean Bean survives because I was. Just, I here's what you don't get: you don't get the Ned Stark love out there. You no, don't I don't. Understand. You're right. You're absolutely. That's a great point, and you're absolutely right about it. To the yeah, I'm not to that the guy. Last second, I was rooting for Ned Stark. Let me just say for England, Ned. All right, Mike. <laughs> what was your most? <laughs> There's no England. They're in a mythical place called uh, I, I, I saw what I saw when I watched Game of Thrones or Goldeneye. Mike, what was your most aggravating watch? <laughs> most aggravating watch was Hopper Wells. I wanted to strangle Dennis Hopper and Orson Wells in that movie. Nobody said anything, and it was two hours and 15 minutes of nobody saying anything of merit. It was just So ridiculous. what is the premise of that? It's literally just a, like my dinner with Andre type conversation? So Orson Wells is, of course, the most famous directorial debut of all time with citizen mm -hmm. kane 
And Dennis Hopper had a, you know, maybe the second most famous directorial debut up to that point uh, with Easy Rider. And we have Orson Welles in like this persona of a character from his easily his worst movie, whatever The Wind was on Netflix. I don't even want to remember that title. I hated that movie with such a passion. <laughs> and everybody's like the long lost Orson Welles film. Well, it should have stayed right. lost. Awful. Oh, Joe, boy. Fucking awful. And in this persona of the director from that movie, which is almost his persona, interviewing Dennis Hopper, and it was just nonsense. All right. So definitely don't seek out Hopper Wells no. if you have your choice from this, I guess. All it right, got a Michael 71 Ma- meta score, and I'm just irate about it. That's uh, Is this our Minari review all over? <laughs> all right. Listen, I got a little math problem for you here, Mike. Uh-huh. Ready? If train A leaves Seattle at 6.30 a.m. headed east going 60 miles an hour, and train B leaves Baltimore headed west going 80 miles an hour, how much more do you miss John Belushi right now after watching that documentary? Uh, I will eat a cheeseburger and drink a Pepsi as soon as I possibly can <laughs> in Baltimore uh, when I get back to Baltimore. And that was a Showtime doc, so I would assume that's going to be on their channel at some point. Coming to Showtime. Worth a watch, as melancholy, and as joyous as it can be right i mean it's got both of those things in that movie god i miss him yeah. him chris farley all the snl i miss them all all right mike pick one mlk fbi or truffle hunters your your pairings get worse from here but all right i'll, <laughs> I'll play along it's mlk fbi i'd have voted for the truffle hunters mike for best picture if they zoomed what? in on a pasta dish with oh, truffles okay. on it Fucking okay. master shot motif <laughs> nonsense. I want to fight that DP, and I would lose and lose badly because I'm fat and full of pasta. But I needed more zoom-ins on pasta dishes. That entire movie is about a food, and we don't get a zoom-in on the best part of that food existing. But look, MLK FBI is a really strange movie. It's It's got... It makes you question everything because you're like, is Hoover setting them up? What's true? What's not true? It doesn't matter. It's still a really good film. So in your fight fantasy, you carbo load too much on pasta. And lose the fight. <laughs> I see. With okay. a c- cameraman. <laughs> With a cameraman. Not a good fighter, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. uh, Mike, which movie not featuring a pig produced by Joaquin Phoenix, would most benefit from adding a pig narrated by Joaquin Phoenix? All right, this is an easy answer because Mm -hmm. this is a preposterous plot. (laughs) Shadow in the Cloud, starring Chloe Grace Moretz. It's a World Mm -hmm. War II horror sci-fi wackadoo movie that I absolutely loved. It was ridiculous fun. And this director has got action movie chops. I'm very impressed with some, some great scenes in this bizarre movie like it's overlord level ridiculous and wow Joaquin Pegix is that what I wrote down as kind of <laughs> yes, Joaquin Pegix would fit right in with the rest of that plot that <laughs> seemed funnier uh when I wrote it down and it, it doesn't work at all does it <laughs> Well, you did your part, though, by giving a shout-out to Roseanne Liang, who was the director there of Shadow in the Cloud. So some more to come from her, and something that we can now keep an eye on going forward and look forward to. Mike, what was the film with the biggest wow moment for you? Oh, if it's not the uh, portrait of a carny on fire... <laughs> That's the best the jokes Anybody doing anything with that Ferris wheel over there? Yeah. <laughs> Jumbo. Jumbo's a movie more people gotta see, because she has sex with that... Whatever that thing was. Anyway. I don't understand what that means. Look, the biggest wow moment has got to be the grandma walking down. I'm kidding. Uh, I'm your woman. <laughs> I'm your woman had a few moments where I stood up and yelled. Like out of shock, out of I can't believe we're, we're experiencing this right now. Just really? incredible stuff. And that's that that's the Rachel Brosnahan movie. It's based in the 70s, right? Yeah, she's on the run from Hitmen. It's it's wild. But it's like really slow for like 30 minute stretches and then like eruption of violence and it's crazy so i probably just spoiled the whole movie again interesting you know, no i think you're I, I mean for at least my sake you're, you're intriguing me even more with it mm-hmm. it's something i definitely want to check out all right mike uh was farewell amore's dance scenes more out of place than the ones from i'm thinking of ending things she's uh no she's training the entire film for the dance competition that she has but and what was your interpretation of what was going on and i'm thinking of ending things because for me (laughs) 
Did we do an hour and 90 minutes on that? Yes. Yes, we did. But wait, wait. Now I'm remembering. Uh, did she eat an ice cream? <laughs> yeah, she did. See? That's how I prepped oh, my Maybe routines. it is kind of like it. Mm-hmm. Because I you think see? the character from Farewell More just had some ice cream in the previous scene. But she ate more of it than the barely eaten ice cream of uh, Fat Damon. There, I, this this is problems. <laughs> I'm forgetting names, so it's a. I'll, I'm going to say it's a push because that's a joke I wrote down. But I'm, I'm also going <laughs> to say, say that good. Farewell Amore is a much better movie than I expected going in because critics gave it middling reviews. It's a joyous film about a family reuniting, but all the problems of that happening when like immigration is all screwy and your family yeah. can't come over and you're a taxi driver in New York and then your family has to come over like 15 years too late. Oh my God. A lot of drama just wow. built in. You already mentioned a little bit about the, the plot and the heights, uh, both literally and figuratively of shadow in the cloud, <laughs> but pick one shadow in the cloud or uncle Frank. You're asking me an impossible question here. You're asking yes. me to pick between like dead snow or away we go. You're asking me to pick <laughs> wow. between Overlord and uh, Milk. What are you? Wow. What are you asking me? All right, I, I gave both like C plus B minuses, so I get it in that mm-hmm. regard. Maybe you read my grades. Both kind of have over the top cheesy plots, but both okay. are really fun, and I enjoyed. I really enjoyed Uncle Frank. Like. Uh, Paul Bettany's excellent. Sophia Lillis is always good. You have uh, Stevens Root and Zahn having great scenes. Wow. You have uh, That's a great cast. No, you have one more. The the mama is from um, uh, Blow the Man Down. We, she's my number one supporting actress still. Margot Martindale. Excuse me. Uh, so Mar, yeah, loaded cast. I can't believe Blow the Man Down was this year. Right? You just said that, and I was like, no, we did that last year, didn't we? I can't oh get her out of that spot. Uh, like, I know it's an Emmy thing. I know it's not there. But the best supporting actress performance I've seen still is Margot Martindale. Wow. How about that? All right. What What was the film with the biggest WTF moment for you? <laughs> I could have made a lot more uh, shameless jokes here. But, uh, <laughs> look, uh, in all seriousness, I knew nothing of the true crime stories behind Assassins or The Dissident. So I was riveted right from the very beginnings of both of those films at the murders that took place and then the true crime murder mysteries that transpired from that moment on or from the opening moments of those documentaries. All right, how about equally as serious? How much of which type of drug would turn Lover's Rock into climax? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, oh boy, I am just unqualified to answer this question but it would probably have to be something to keep it light from rick and morty like rick would introduce- a heisenberg amount of meth yes. is just shipped in yeah i got you all right what was the best acting performance you saw overall michael again you know michelle pfeiffer francis mcdormand riz ahmed steven yoon bill murray leslie odom jr all great academy breakthrough performances for some of them in, in that regard academy level performances Winston Duke should be knocking on doors, though. Winston Duke in Nine Days. Love to hear that. I really love that performance in a strange movie that I'm not a big fan of. It's like so high concept that it's outthinking itself. But the direction hmm. from Edson Oda and his performance and Wong from uh, Doctor Strange is in it and speaking in a British accent, which I absolutely loved. Bill Skarsgård is in that movie. You had uh, Zazie Beetz, uh, Tony wow. Hale. What a wackadoo plot. And maybe I'll have to just uh, pitch that to you later. But uh, he was. Well, you say I'll be honest that you you listed those names as the cast in part of your description. And that's why I threw that in one of the ones I'd like most, because that's a I mean, you know, those are people we know from various different things and different genres. But overall, those are people that can put on any kind of performance with any kind of genre you put them in. So to see them all kind of be chameleons together in the same script really intrigues. They had no business having the amounts of personality they had in that particular film because they're supposed to be in like this before time. Like from mm-hmm. the Soul trailer, Pixar Soul trailer, right. it's bizarre. But I, I oh, before I time, as in like pre, pre being born, animation, like pre, yeah, pre, pre alive. <laughs> yeah, this is the <laughs> the craziest plot. Like they're in purgatory the whole time, and yeah, wow, it's one of the weirdest. Like I said, that's a Michelle Gondry. Uh, influenced kind of plot uh at least visuals i i was fascinated by it i thought winston duke and he has such a great finale of that movie with his acting, awesome really impressed nina haas in my little sister is incredible blew me away 
I think she should get more attention. I hated her with a passion. Like, I hated her character because she's mm-hmm. so stubborn. But I just think the acting job was incredible. Awesome. Love to hear that. Great, great picks there. Love to hear that from, from both of those. Especially, I mean, Winston Duke, you know, we, it's a guy we go back to for a long time. And I absolutely agree. He's been he's a guy that should be getting more recognition with everything he does. Uh, how about best director, Michael, of what you saw? You know, these uh, festivals have been showcasing female directors. Chloe Zhao, Reg- Regina King, uh, of, of course, Sofia Coppola. I, if, I, if I'm not picking them, it's got to be Julia Hart from I'm Your Woman. And I am just thrilled that we have action movie chops, like gangster movie chops. And it's it's after, again, all these long lay- layoff scenes. So she's hitting these dramatic scenes and she took it from... Like I've never seen action, movies, uh, action movie scenes transpire in these ways. And it's just so refreshing, hmm. so different. And you're going to watch it, and you're going to be like, wow, that's so off-kilter. I don't know if I love it or hate it, but I mean, I, I, was, I, I enjoyed it, and I, I appreciated how, how, how different that was. That's awesome to hear. And again, I mean, just Roseanne Liang is another name you threw around, another woman director uh, doing a great job. So, it, it, I mean, for all the times we pound the table about women directors getting their shine, mm-hmm. having it happen naturally in these film festivals is a great thing to see. How about best documentary, Michael? It's a very close call between MLK, FBI, The Dissident, but I'm going to say it's MLK, FBI, Dr. King. Mm-hmm. Look, if what they say about him is true, he's even more of a hero as of just a flawed man than I thought he was when I thought he was a saint. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's very important. That came out a couple years ago. There was like private letters or something that got leaked from the FBI about Dr. King's background. And, and people kind of were more emboldened in their passion and respect for the man because he turned into a flawed character. He turned out to be like an actual human being mm-hmm. with, you know, layers. So I could absolutely see that coming to fruition on screen as well. Uh, Mike, best Namdi Asamoa. I love Namdi Asamoa <laughs> as a ball player. Like, he's the prototype cornerback, and I'm thrilled that he's making a switch into acting. And mm-hmm. I thought he was good in uh, Crown Heights. Uh, mm-hmm. He was in The Banker, I, I think, for a brief moment. He is not very good in uh, oh, no. Sylvie's Love, unfortunately. I don't know if it's just a step up. He's just not used to carrying it. I don't know if he was... He was 40, trying to pretend to be 20 for the first 35 minutes, which was strange, <laughs> especially because I know he's 40 and married to Kerry Washington. I mean, it's was right. really weird that uh, that he was trying to be like a kid. Um, so sorry, I, this was like late Al Davis Raiders bad. And oh, I, no, I hope he gets more chances, and he should. Wow, but this was bad. Maybe the biggest insult you've ever said on this podcast. All right, I gotta be honest. Uh, You've already... I don't have to be honest, Mike, but I, I can't help myself. That's, that's true. That's true. You don't have to be. That's that's very true. <laughs> it's important people realize that. Um, no, we do try to uh, be honest and truthful and forthright about everything. So be honest about three filmmakers you're most excited to see more from. You've already sang the praises of a lot. Yeah, Julia Hart, I'm Your Woman, Edson Oda from Nine Days, and Christos Niku of Apples. I will watch anything they do next. How about three lesser-known actors you're most excited to see more from? Eighth grade's Fred Hetchinger had me peeing on myself in that silly Will Ferrell uh, <laughs> short film. So more of him, please. Paula Beer of uh, Undine convinced me that she was a German mermaid and that huh. I don't need to be ashamed of watching such a cartoonish plot and taking it as seriously as I took it. She is just terrific. She's been terrific in a couple films in a row now. Never Look Away, Transit, and now Undine. So she's definitely on my radar going forward uh, now, Michael. And then I guess if it's not swanky from Nomadland, it's got to yeah. be uh, it's got to be Aya Shukitashvili. I hope Good I pronounced for you. it right. I looked it up. I did my best. From beginning, she broke my heart into a thousand pieces. I mentioned a few more actors early on. Uh, from Lover's Rock and from uh, My Little Sister, but Mm -hmm. uh, those three as well. All right, Mike, uh, pick your choice here. Three weapons you'd pick to try and keep me from getting to a person who is the embodiment of the film Concrete Cowboy. I really don't understand this question, but the weapon... Horse movies! Uh... (laughs) (laughs) So that's why you didn't go in for that, because I figured Idris Elba, like... (laughs) I didn't even recognize it. It's just barely a horse movie. 
It's a little. Your description, sir, was cowboys exist in Philadelphia, and my reaction was, the fuck they do. (laughs) They do. What do you want? They do. All right. A a giant shovel full of horse shit. If that would keep you away from this movie and scorning it for whatever reason, and just get. This might be a good place for you. You just go away from Concrete Cowboy because it's a really <laughs> joyful, happy movie for much of it and it gets into some serious drama and pulls it off. And is it, you know, an Oscars movie? No, I don't think it is. But great performances in here. Idris Elva anchors it. So, yeah, I mean, you could just stay away from it, please. It's so naturally happy. It doesn't meet, need me and my stink eye uh, getting in the way of it. I understand. Your, I respect that. Your decision. grudges, your petty <laughs> grudges, get away from it. Best food on screen you saw. All right. So I'm a hypocrite. (laughs) Just make fun of you. (laughs) Because for all my whining about the truffle hunters, they do show an old Italian fat man eating a fried egg with truffles on it. It's like 10 minutes. It's a 10-minute scene. I'm not kidding. How much more do you want? (laughs) But it's a fried egg. I want to watch him eating truffles on pasta. I mean, can I have my, you know, egg and pasta too? Can I have them both? What's wrong? That's you know, that's that's what I've that's what people have been saying for years. I that see exact a phrasing. Fried egg every morning. I just it's like a ritual for me. I truffles on that it looks normal. I want to see pasta. You want your fried eggs and to eat your pasta too. I want to see goes. Yeah. the al dente of the pasta. I want to be able to see through the screen, through the high definition can cameras that it's al dente, and I want. To watch a person's face after they eat the pasta. That's the best part. I slowly just start putting on Marvin Gaye music and leaving you alone. Guy Fieri <laughs> has a fan on this side of the microphone. <laughs> uh, I was going to ask you about Hopper Wells or Billy, but I think you've made that pretty Billy, obvious yeah, earlier. By a mile. Yeah. How about the film world you'd most like to live in, Mike? <laughs> uh, how can I say this? Jumbo. <laughs> well... <laughs> Und Berlin with German mermaids, please. I think I fucked that uh, accent up. But uh, German mermaids, so Berlin uh, and that movie. because Makes sense to me. How about the film world you'd most like me to live in? All right. So any... <laughs> you have like a page written for this. Yeah. Uh, I think this is when we gave up on making this a lightning round, when you saw the uh, answer for this. All right. This is going to be a little bit of a process of elimination, but let me float this idea first. There's a farm in Arkansas I think you should have to visit because you didn't like Minari enough for my life. No, it's true. All right, no, you're not going to go along with that because whatever I tell you, you're not going to agree with me and go live there. So I have to to be careful because I have to sell you on it somehow. Mm -hmm. All right. I'd say you'd make a terrible concrete cowboy regardless of your stance on horse movies so that's not possible you'd make an even worse truffle hunter even though you how dare you you're a dog lover i don't think you'd enjoy being a wolf walker because of Mm -hmm. you know religious zealots and you're just not an anglophile so i don't think Mm -hmm. that's true you want to live in that world yes you'd be a useful lawyer in like many of these films there's courtroom dramas herself and mangrove another one of uh steve mcqueen's movies herself is like this irish drama really empowering film about a domestic uh, abuse survivor and she's building a house and it's it's a really good movie a lot of a lot of good friendship scenes in that and you'd be very useful in assassins i think as a lawyer as a legal advisor at the very least okay i'm not going to give you that though because i I was going to say there's no way you you took this seriously as you are and gave me a good place to be right Okay, good. Now, you do have high thresholds for both pain and monotony. So mm-hmm. that would allow you to survive as a disciple in the disciple of an Indian classical musician in that New York Film okay. Festival film. Like, that's boring okay. stuff, and but you could right. make it work. Neither of us could hang out with Belushi and not become raging drug addicts in the 70s. There's a 10,000% chance I would die. Tony Montana proportions of coke. We do not do <laughs> drugs. We do not. No. We, no, we don't. No. We, we don't advise it. But, like, you can't hang out with the, Nobody could. Right. Right. Everybody was Exactly. Doing, right? Like, nobody has that willpower. So the, I, I can't even say I'd love to try because, I, I, again, I would be dead. Right. You would also be dead in seconds in I'm Your Woman on the run from hitmen and gangsters. <laughs> You'd be dead Probably. in you know spl- a split second. Like you would immediately yeah. fall out of the plane in shadow in the cloud <laughs> if you were in the turret. 
Uh-huh. Seconds. Uh, so that leads okay. another farm, Gunda. Um, harmless, but boring. So I, I won't put that evil on you. I'm going to say apples. Now, the downside of apples is that you have amnesia <laughs> because there's a worldwide pandemic, go figure, <laughs> where adults get amnesia. But here's the thing. The Greek healthcare system just going above and beyond its duties. So you are going to be able to work and live safely. You're going to get laid. You're going to eat as many apples as you want in apples. Wow. What a breakdown. <laughs> Thank you very much. So the moral of the story is you want my memory wiped away by a pandemic. <laughs> Well, at least you can't remember all the depressing shit you've had to deal with. That's true. That's true. It wouldn't be a bad thing. Get laid and eat apples and be happy. (laughs) I appreciate you looking out for me there, buddy. A couple more here before we finish up. What was your highest high? Uh, The first date in Sylvie's love is glorious. I mean, there's some some blocking in that. And you just look at the stills of Namdi and Tessa Thompson. Oh, my God. My heart went a flutter. And then I Am Greta, the Greta Thunberg uh, Saving the World documentary. That made me choke back tears a couple times because they actually started that documentary when she started her protest. She's just one little kid out right. in front of the town hall building with one sign. And Unreal. it becomes what it became. Uh, otherwise, the beginning of beginning was terrifying, like horror movie scene of the year. Terrifying. Wow. Uh, and that's the I, one you can't watch again, huh? I can't watch that movie again. So I, I'm, I'm oh, telling you to watch a movie that you, nobody should watch. Right. That's just a problem. But that was a well. That's I mean that's credits to the filmmaker, honestly. Credits to the filmmaker. There's some stuff in that movie that I really get mad at, but there's also with the way they handled some things. But yeah, I mean, there's that's a, that's a tough movie, man. That's that is that one this uh, the the shell the golden shell there in San yeah Spanish. the golden shell yep. And then like I said, uh, a couple eruptions of shocking. I mean, the violence is not gory or nothing, but it's just surprising. I'm your woman. It's funny that you have the same titles coming, kind of appearing over and over again. It's really uh, showing the quality of those films that you had from uh, this selection of 40 uh, that were up there with all these questions, too. You, the ones that were the superlatives of the positive right. seem to be from a handful of pictures. That's really cool to see. Or I should have lied and been a better host or co-host and mentioned more movies, but... Uh, no, well, I, I mean, I can't even bust your chops about it because you're mentioning a bunch of movies along the way here. I think we've hit on almost every single one. Uh, let's go on the other side of the coin here and say biggest letdown was what? If it's... It's probably Hopper Wells. Mm-hmm. I, the thing about Jumbo, though... Like I was looking forward to Jumbo. <laughs> Is she fucks a ride? <laughs> I was. I thought that was going to be a horror sci-fi movie when I went into it. I had no idea it was going to be. She has sex with a machine, and that's the movie. What ride is it? I mean, or is that supposed? Is that going to spoil the movie? Anatomically, I can't describe it. It's it, okay. It's I. It's not. Is it literal sex? Also, probably too. So then again, I don't know. I, In the same vein, which carnival sex. ride are you most likely to have sex with personally? <laughs> I haven't been to a carnival in 20 years. I don't know about you. <laughs> because you're not allowed on the grounds anymore? Somebody no, saw what I you just, were doing? I was a little kid. Dude, but the problem with the carnivals, like I, I'm sure I was concussed at carnivals. The number of times I went on the couple, a couple of those Oh, rides. there's no, listen, there's no doubt when we were kids at carnivals with the as little oversight as there was, all of us suffered unnecessary bodily harm because of those carnival rides. No question, right? So yeah, like, absolutely. If you do that once, like that's, you're good. You don't have to go yeah. back. Then go to six. Flags. Absolutely. That's what I think. That's what I, like, I kind of missed the carnival phase and I just started going to Six Flags with friends. So that's the, and you're like, oh, these are what tightened and fastened screws on a roller coaster are supposed to feel like. Okay, exactly. Yeah. So Hopper right. Wells' biggest left down, Jumbo close second. <laughs> right. Uh, do we have anything that's most likely to be an international feature nom at the Oscars? I'd prefer apples. If I had to bet, n- no. But like, at the same time, my little sister is probably the most likely. I think beginning it just has such heinous levels of nightmare violence. I would mm-hmm. be surprised if that's an awards movie. I just like, I can't see the Academy even watching that. But overall, probably not for that category. I don't. Th- I I would be surprised. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, then again, Night of the Kings, maybe. Uh, we'll talk about that more in a minute. 
All right. How about overall, what do you think is the most likely Oscar nomination from any movie? One Night in Miami is going to get a bunch, Nomadland. I'm not going to cheat and say that. I'm not going to cheat and say, you know, Bill Murray on the rocks or something like that, even though I'm saying that. Right now, as I speak, uh, Wolfwalkers, <laughs> an animated feature. That's that's a, that's almost a lock, I would say. Really? Okay. Even in a very healthy year. Look, I mean, it, it's undeniably a well-made movie. It's got gorgeous animation. The story's good enough. It's kind of preposterous at times, but it's about people turning into wolves and then not being wolves and then being people. And then, okay, it's a kid's movie, right? Three-time nominated director-producer team from the uh, what should be more prestigiously named the Cartoon Saloon, Secret of Kells, <laughs> etc., A Song by the Sea, or I, I didn't see that one, that latter one. So this is a studio that... that the Academy loves and Wolf Walkers. It's it's better than the Secret of Kells, in my opinion. All right, last question, Mike, and I, I'm sure people can guess where this is going. Best picture of all the lightning round possibilities is what? All right, uh, nonfiction. It's MLK FBI. Fiction. It's I'm Your Woman. Wow. Yeah. That high on it, huh? Well, I mean, everything I've seen is that taking books. into account the minorities in the On the Rocks, or is that no. without those? No, it's without okay. those. We'll talk about our top tens in a minute but i think uh it's without those if i'm if i'm ranking them with those you'll see it in a minute good to know so i'm your woman is the one to most look out for outside of the ones that we've uh kind of the headliners we've talked about here let's change up the format a little bit mike took a couple names a couple titles that he watched and is going to shark tank style pitch them to me and ask me for an investment so michael the floor is yours so i hope you will purchase knight of the kings which got a okay. b86 grade from me so it's a good grade number one i mm-hmm. hope you'll watch knight of the kings because of this pitch and all i'm gonna do is pitch the plot mike so for 12 dollars, when it comes out here's the plot of the movie or at least the premise we have a, a prison in Africa that is run by the inmates, where all the guards basically just lock them in, and they're in their own room somewhere with their guns. But pr- a prison like warlord runs the prison. An inmate himself runs the prison, and oh, wow. he's dying. So there's a ritual when he's dying; something's supposed to happen. He's supposed to kill himself. So he's on his last legs, and. A new prisoner is admitted, a young kid, a 19-year-old kid or whatever. Mm -hmm. And there's this ritual on the blood moon where this warlord inmate is essentially stalling to give himself more life. At least that's what you think at the beginning. And he makes this kid the storyteller. And here's what the storyteller has to do. And thank God I'm not it because I would already fail. (laughs) The storyteller has to keep the attention of the entire prison population by telling a story all night long. Wait, what? What? Uh, Hang on. What do you mean all night long? During a feast. Like they're given a feast. But he has to keep their attention riveted until morning. And And what's the consequence if he fails to do this? He is brutally murdered. (laughs) Wait, what? Wait, so wait, 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 wait. So this setup is the inmate warlord chooses someone and the rules are either you tell are successful and tell a story that keeps everybody captivated or you're dead? Brutally murdered. Brutally And the dead. storyteller has no say into whether or not he has to do this. And he has no idea that that's what he has to do. He doesn't know that's the consequences either. That's how the movie starts. This kid doesn't even realize he's fi- he's telling a story for his life. And what makes matters even worse is the audience is as rowdy as it comes to the point where you've seen Roast Battle, I hope. Mm-hmm. Yep. There are like a group of people like Roast Battle that come in and do all the miming of what he's telling for the story. <laughs> Jesus. Well, that was going to be my next question. So can <laughs> inmates purposely just pretend they're not listening? Yeah. And, and if he loses the crowd at any moment, he's basically going to be taken away. And it's 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 the setup for a ritual killing is what it is. So it's the worst version of a stand-up comedian bombing on stage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of the audience throwing fruit, they can, like, throw bricks and, like, wheel their gun. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's something else. Thankfully, he's he's given a lot of delays, like, unforeseen delays. But, yeah, it's it's rough. But he can't, like, call a timeout or anything? Thank God he's a good storyteller, natural storyteller. 
and he has to go for eight hours, basically, the whole night. until What's what's the cutoff? Sun, sunrise? Or? I, I think they start when the moon is high, because it's it's a ritual on the night of a blood moon. So they, they don't start until maybe 1, 2 in the morning when the moon is, like, full. So he's got a fighting chance in that regard. <laughs> Still, seven hours. Oral tradition of storytelling. Not easy. If you were going to tell a story for seven hours, what story would you tell? Huh. <laughs> I would <laughs> the time your brother made no. all those noises during Star Wars or <laughs> no I would be dead <laughs> 10 minutes later I would have to tell like you know Reds or something I would have to tell like a long ass movie <laughs> <laughs> well that's I guess another oh I'll tell you what Mike the Irishman is my answer <laughs> I think you've sold me on. I, I, I'm, I'm willing to invest twelve dollars of my time. Now, is this an international feature? Yes, and I would not be surprised to see it nominated. I guess I, you know, an international film. So I probably should have said that earlier. I did kind all, of all subtitles, or is it in English? All subtitles, but you also get some flashbacks to like the story he is telling, and then it, it's like this wild thing where you're, you're wondering if he's just bullshitting to spice it up, or if he's telling the truth because it's about something important. So. Yeah, it's fascinating. I would stand up right now and walk over to you and shake your hand if I was Mark Cuban. I think you sold me on that. I will be investing twelve dollars. That's how I just want to know what the story is. Like how do you so is it like a fable? Or do you tell do you have to tell like a personal story? Or he well, I don't want to spoil the movie. Like right. that's the thing. Watch the movie. It's you know. I will. I will, goddammit, I will. You sold me. I really didn't think you would be able to. Um all right. So you're one for one. Next into the tank is what? All right, assassins or the dissident, because they all have the same ingredients. So, Michael, do you like true crime? I, I do. Are you addicted you know to the this. news? <laughs> are you, I feel like you're pandering, are but you yes. Are you addicted to politics? Are you familiar no, not with, me, the, not ever. <laughs> with courts of law and the cross-sections between the two? God damn it! God damn it! So you're saying the first one was the tough one and you already sold me on it? <laughs> Yeah, this is the Shit. easy one. These two documentaries about are about like law, politics, true crime. It's all you know in one. And I was really hoping to keep you at one for two, but go ahead. There are real life murders, assassinations involving serious powers in today's world, and there's reality TV involved. There's YouTube personalities involved in these real true life plots. YouTube personalities, why? You'll have to watch the movie. In The Dissident, there's a YouTube uh, personality who is pivotal to the actual assassination of this Washington Post reporter. So The Dissident is about a Washington Post reporter who is murdered, assassinated Uh, where? And then in Assassins, it's about a a Korean, well, I'll just say it, Kim Jong-nam, who's the brother of Kim Jong-un, is killed. And you have to find out how. It's, it's just, oh my God, I can't believe it's true. I can't believe it. Where is the Washington Post reporter assassinated again? Remind me. Turkey. Okay. And it's just the recaps of both of those events historically. I had known nothing about this, and it's with the highest of production values. It seems like it is, you know, a partisan vantage point, at least for the dissident. You know, I would say they're, they're making a stand, and they're, they're saying who the good guys and the bad guys are. And they're they're getting to the bottom of it, but uh, you know, assa- I guess Assassins is doing the same thing with Kim Jong Un, but that's not going out on a limb for our vantage point in America here. So yeah, you're saying this, and I had to take a second to to regroup and and do some research real quick. But this is Jamal Khashoggi. That's the Washington Rep- uh, Post reporter, right? Yes, yes, that's the the, the dissident. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember why I remember that playing out in real. So this is all about two of the most notorious murders that's what they are i mean you said true crime two of the most notorious murders to happen in the last four years or so i learn about it when they make a movie about it (laughs) but yes (laughs) oh my god you're right that was a that was a layup so this is another thing that's likely both going vod you're not sure we don't know whether anyone's bought them yet but it's likely going to be that they end up on vod I think the dissident should come out this year and contend in that category. I, I would hope they do that. I mean, there's a lot of high production values with like all the uh, VFX work and the CGI, all this stuff that they're trying to, you know, the talk through the uh, Twitter and the social media stuff. It's fascinating. 
I was when I pitched this Shark Tank segment to you, just because I'm a jerk in my mind. I was like, well, I'll let him go one for two. <laughs> you know, like, I'll, I won't, I won't give him O for two. I'll let, but no, you've uh, you've done a hell of a job. Not only going two for two, but technically three for three in what you picked to uh, to pitch to me. So your your business is doing well. I will invest all of my twelve dollars, which will make me bankrupt. But that's all right because you did a good enough job uh, pitching these to me. I can't wait to see all three of these. You're absolutely right. Good job by you. Michael. Once in a while, the squirrel finds a nut, even when he's <laughs> let's, blind. Let's find 10 more nuts here. Rank your top 10. Uh, you are going to rank these from your 10th favorite to what you saw overall, your most favorite watch for any of these film festivals. And just as a means of recap, we're talking about which three film festivals in particular did you watch all these at? New Mike? York Film Festival, Middleburg, and AFI. And like I said, I still got a couple more left at AFI. But uh, I would say honorable mentions because I can never do just 10 in a of list. Course. Uh, David Burns' American Utopia. It's a concert film. It's not eligible for Oscars, so I didn't put it in this because it's out of habit or whatever. Lovers Rock, same deal. It's going to go, uh, you know, Emmys. Uh, Concrete Cowboy, very good. Not- I mean, you're doing that just out of spite for me, right? You could be honest. Yeah, honorable mention. <laughs> Look, Nine Days, again, for all the superlatives I mentioned. Belushi mm-hmm. is going to be on Showtime, really worthwhile. Apples was a hard omission. Wolf Walkers was a hard omission. I think if I studied those a little more, they might squeak in. But here is the top ten list. Whirly Bird's my number ten. It's the the biggest surprise of both festivals. I almost didn't watch it because I was like, I don't think I could squeeze it in. I actually watched Whirly Bird during that giant game. And I really oh, wow. didn't pay attention to the giant game. When I should what have been you? reminding you to watch One Night in Miami, I was watching Whirly Bird. So <laughs> what drew you to deciding to uh, take part in that? All right, a couple different things. I, I, I saw that I saw the trailer, and it looked like Nightcrawler to me. I was like, this mm-hmm. is Nightcrawler in the air. And then they, they, they you know referenced the uh, O.J. Simpson trial. And I was like, oh, I right. got, these guys covered the shit out of O.J. Simpson trial. I got I to gotta watch gotcha. it. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Number 10, Whirly Bird. N- yep. Nine is I'm Your Woman. Uh, really, really. Good God. You were that high on it? And it, it, that is, I mean, that's a credit to this festival. And it's, to the, no, that's a credit to these festivals and their offerings. There's so many great documentaries. Yeah. And we covered a lot of the heavy hitters, the heavier hitters. So I'm Your Woman right. was a pleasant surprise to me. It's coming on Amazon Prime. Uh, in a month or so, I forget, but it, it, it's going to be available for everybody to watch, and I would recommend it. It was a lot of fun. Rachel Brosnahan wasn't ready for Oscar showcase, though. I have an issue with a couple scenes. It was kind of the okay. uh, who's the guy from The Big Bang Theory that was in Boys in the Band? Jim, Jim Parsons. Jim Parsons was great for like ninety percent of the movie. Same with Rachel Brosnahan, and she had w- one scene, and he had one scene where they just went for it. They they put it all on the field. They laid it all out there. And it was awful overacting. I was so mad at oh, her, no. but I was so oh, mad no. at them. But otherwise, she's terrific, and she's awesome on the shows, obviously too. But all right. So ten, Whirly Bird. Nine, I'm Your Woman. Number eight, Sound of Metal. I really enjoyed it. I think I enjoyed that one more than you, and I enjoyed Minari more than you. That's my number seven. <laughs> <laughs> I can I be honest? Yeah. Again, it's a credit to the offerings that these festivals have, but I'm surprised Minari is that low in your top ten. I knew it would be in your top ten. I thought it would be, again, I'm not trying to disparage Minari. I'm trying to talk about how great this selection was that you, of all these movies you saw, but I really, truly thought Minari was going to be like a top four movie for you. I think I'll rewatch Minari, and it might, you know, be like a 90A- when it finishes up this year. But here's the thing. Like, all these grades are 87, 88. There's right. 189. So they're all very close at this moment but Minari is gotcha. my seven the dissident is my six I wonder if that will go up or down upon rewatch but I, I really enjoyed that like I said I knew nothing about the real news story because I'm under a rock watching movies all the time uh speaking of rocks I, I loved on the rocks with you we reviewed it that's my number five MLK FBI a lot of superlatives on that movie today it's it's strange it's gonna t- tear you into a million directions but it's a really well-made archival footage doc, and I don't have a bias against that. I am not the documentary branch at the Academy, Mike, so that's number four. <laughs> Look, so you could speak truthfully about it. Yeah, Nomadland, I, I think Nomadland is, is just something I really love, and I, it's just one of those weird movies. Like I don't know why I love it. I love it. I know you're not as high on it as I am, but uh, that's my number three right now. Uh, one Night in Miami is my number two, and French Exit, 
along with you. So you saw the best movie at these festivals. At, at least you did that. You didn't you didn't miss French Exit, Michael. I think that is my number one. I think that's our number one. It would have been our your number one for sure. I am extremely, extremely high on French Exit, but just as a means of recap, Early Bird 10, I'm Your Woman 9, Sound of Metal 8, Minari number 7, Dissident 6, On the Rocks 5, MLK FBI 4, Nomad Land makes its appearance at 3, One Night in Miami is number 2 movie at all these festivals, and number 1 was French Exit. I wonder how many people are going to have a similar, uh, certainly number 1, I, I would think we're, like I say we, like I watched any of these after all the work you did, I wonder how many people would have French Exit as the best out of all of those movies, 30 or 40 selections for the other uh, cinephiles that did dive deep into these festivals but i'm very high on that i'm glad to see you're equally as high on it and to see it stand out over all the you know glowing reviews you gave a majority of these movies never mind just in your top 10 uh that suggests to me that it could be something special and maybe it gets a little more momentum behind it as the uh, award season drags on it, sh- it definitely should and she should be atop that category like we We've been saying for a couple of weeks now, and that's uh, that's an MMO, uh, I guess, backed decision at this point. We're both yeah. on board with uh, French Exit. Well, there you have it, and we do want to know if you took the deep dive into all these movies like also Mike did here, how does his top 10 stack up against your personal top 10? And also, feel free to answer any of the lightning round questions that I presented to also Mike with your own answers and let us know, and if you're creative or funny enough, maybe we'll give you a shout out here on the show, but you can do that, as well as leave us comments, questions, concerns about anything else we do here in the MMO Empire on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts, including and especially Apple Podcasts. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or the app right now, if you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, it would take about 10 seconds out of your day and make our entire one. Michael, you usually give words of wisdom, but I'm going to give my own words of wisdom here. I want to tip my cap to you. Great job giving, uh, you know, staying on top of all these movies, dedicating so much time into watching them and giving coherent reviews and recaps and letting everyone including myself in on what to expect and what they should see and should avoid so round of applause to you good sir great job by you let the good people know what's coming next from mmo and give us some words of wisdom of your own well you you compliment me like it's a uh, it's a choice or it's a <laughs> i'm addicted <laughs> it's not an addiction yeah it's what i was gonna say i'm addicted to watch these watching these movies uh all i'll say is continue to support film society at lincoln center continues to support afi middleburg.org we talked about montclair and their film festival there's a lot of online film festivals that need our support throughout the year maybe spending some of your vod dollars you know, that $10 here or that $10 there and go online and Chromecast or, you know, somehow cast it to your TV. Uh, that worked like a charm for me throughout these film festivals. So maybe do that with $10 and, and supporting uh, all these other, you know, film loving societies, not just the society at Lincoln Center there, Mike. What's coming next is, I don't know, we, we were supposed to do another whole section of this ORC. Uh, and we had all. You these... mean to tell me we got long-winded? <laughs> we had like seven or eight trailers that we were going to review here. <laughs> that was supposed to be a lightning round. Uh, we got the James Bond character study coming back at some point with Spectre. We got the scaries that we usually put out there on Halloween. You guys should listen to all our horror movie coverage of the past. We got a couple playlists. I'm going to push those over the next few days heading into October 31st. But certainly the scaries, you can look forward to that. That's our horror movie award award show that's an annual award show that we put on that's a lot of fun uh otherwise yeah. i think we got a, another oscar race checkpoint at some point here mike i don't know when <laughs> there you go we don't know when uh guys when reality sucks mike just gave you the rundown of 40 movies you could watch with us so get on that we are mike mike and oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness we will see you all very soon see you.